Hey everybody, I'm Larry Little and you're listening to Crossing the Line, a podcast where I talk with people about the moments in their life when they cross that line from leading with their head to leading with their heart. And today on the show, I'm having a conversation with an incredibly interesting guest whose name is Brad Scow. Brad Scow is part of a, a coaching and consulting organization in the IT industry. Um, but but prior to that, uh, he'd spent 20 years uh, helping grow solutions and being a managed service provider. He's a brilliant mind. He has a, the mind of a of a technician, of, a, of an engineer, but, but yet at the same time, he understands vision and leadership. But he is very, very unique and he thinks uniquely and he talks to us today about how do introverts stop that spinning when decisions are, are to be made how do you make decisions uh, as an introvert how, how do you move that ball forward and then he, he even talks about what's going on uh, in our culture today and and a perspective of looking at that that was really enlightening to me and he does it with such humility and grace and and he's also uh, he's just hilarious to, to listen to you're in for a treat today uh, he's my good friend uh, i've known him for years he's an incredible guy that i look up to uh, Brad Scow is is going to benefit you today on this podcast. So, hey, let's don't delay. Let's jump into that conversation with Brad right now. Well, I'm, like I said in the intro, uh, this is one of my favorite guys. I'm just going to tell you, I love Brad Scow. I love Brad Scow for a lot of reasons. We've been friends for a long time. And you know a lot about a person when you walk with them. And I have walked with you, Bradley, uh, for uh, a while through good times and hard times together. And and you can tell a lot about a man's character and you have an incredible integrity. I've never seen anything like it. You're amazing to me. So that's why I'm so excited that you're on the crossing the line. If anybody in the world knows how to how to cross that line and lead from their head and their heart, both, uh, it's you. Um, one of the brightest people I know, uh, but but bright in a... Bradley, I'm going to just go ahead and lay it out there. Bright in a weird kind of way, would you say? <laughs> All over that, Larry. I, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm not traditional. I, I, I don't think of myself as traditional. <laughs> that is so true. You, you are not, but you are unique, and uh, and that is creative, and and it's um and it's really really cool to to watch you, and it's been a it's been an, a neat thing because you are inspirational in your own way. And I've learned so much from you. So uh, I want our, our audience to get to know Brad Scow. They know a little bit about what you do and, and your position and title and all that from our, our intro, but I want them to know you. So uh, Bradley, first and foremost, how you doing? How are you in this ridiculousness we call pandemic or whatever? Well, I'm good. Other than you just inflated my head a whole bunch, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, you know, bring it back down because Larry, I know, how, I know how you roll, and it's, 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 you know, thank you for the for the kind words, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing well, Larry. Thank you. Uh, uh, a bit, I'm feeling a bit cooped up. I'll be honest with you. You know, being, I'm, I'm down in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, so pretty early on they locked Florida down. I probably like the rest of the country and. Um, it feels like between that and how it affected work, uh, I've just been sitting in this chair looking at that camera, <laughs> uh, talking to people <laughs> on Zoom. It feels like like uh, for about a decade, Larry, but it's only been nine months. Wow. <laughs> so I'm a bit cooped up, but I'm doing well. Thanks. Well, it, it does seem like it's been a decade. And for those who are watching the video and not just listening audio, Brad is incredibly troubled because he is a man of excellence. 
And he sees that uh, I'm doing this podcast actually from my from this podcast from my, my south office, which means I'm at the beach. Which is if you you know uh, if you know me, you know I love the beach. But the lighting's not very good. You know, I'm like, well, I've sacrificed my face for the scenery behind me. And those of you that are listening, we're just showing a scenery of a beach and kind of where where we uh, you know where we hang out uh, in our south office. And uh, Bradley is greatly concerned that my face is dark it's you just can't see it and i apologize but i'm sacrificing my face for the scenery and uh, bradley has has his lighting figured out so with that being said bradley um i want to i want to take a minute and uh, i want to if you don't mind um this is kind of scary but i want to i want to get inside of you i want to get inside that brain and, and yeah. see what makes you sick. you up for that well, yeah, you know, again, Larry, be careful what you wish for. And you said that we could edit out whatever we, whatever we need. So <laughs> we can, we can take a journey if, if that's where we want to go. <laughs> cool. All right. I want to try it. I, I'm a risk taker, you know, yeah. so, so I want us to go there. So let, let's go back um, because you have accomplished uh, a, quite a lot as a leader and you, and you've led literally hundreds if there's yet not even thousands of people who look up to you and they really do. And, and, um, for, for a lot of different reasons, not just your skill set. So I want to kind of see if we can figure out what it is that that, that makes you tick and, and where you got some of those attributes that you have. So let's go back to um, Bradley growing up. Uh, Brad, how did you, when, when you were, talk us through as a child, a young child, what was it like in, in your house, in your home? Uh, well, um, my dad was a teacher um, and my mom uh, was a homemaker. And uh, so, uh, growing up at home, it was, it was get up, go to school, um, through, uh, my dad taught in high school. So, uh, he knew all of the teachers, right. And, and Larry, we've talked a lot about, um, I'm, I'm an introvert. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want people to notice me. Um, uh, and I remember even as a kid, when I was going to school, it's hard not to get noticed when all of the teachers know your dad. Right. So, right. Uh, so when, when I was growing up and, and, uh, and I went to elementary school, then middle school, and then high school, I remember uh, my, my sort of early formative years were trying to figure out how do you be successful without being noticed? How do you be successful without being noticed? Um, this is this is something that will follow Brad through his leadership journey. It's how he leads. So I wanted you to catch that and, and watch for this pattern as we go through this podcast. It, it's a really cool thought process for introverts. Because mm. that's just how I wanted to. It's, it's how I wanted to roll when I was a kid and it, it's kind of carried me through here, but we did that. And then summers were, we lived in Minnesota. So summers were a lot of, you know, camping and fishing and my dad was a teacher. So he had the summers off and, and, you know, that was nice. So uh, yeah, I, you know, had a, had a great upbringing um, and that kind of summed it up, you know, sports and, and drummed uh, for those of you on the video, you see the drum set behind me, but you know, that was, that was life growing up for me. So, so you, as a, as an introvert in our, in our vernacular, that camel, camel turtle kind of thing, I guess, going yeah. on. Um, you, you didn't want to be noticed, but you said something I had to have to go back and circle back around to. You said you, you tried to figure out how to be successful without being noticed. Talk about that a little bit. What does that mean? Yeah. Well, so a couple of things come to mind. One and Larry, this year, we're going to go right into some of the weirdness that, you know, and maybe come to <laughs> be entertained by it. So I remember thinking, um, who would want to be salutatorian or valedictorian? Like, why would you want that? Why would you want that 
pressure? Why would you want that limelight on you? So I remember growing up thinking like my goal was to be high single digits in my class. <laughs> so I, so I tried to, that was, it was like, I tried to, I tried to get through and I did, I think I ended up being, it was either number nine or 11. I don't remember, but I was right there, right where, right where I wanted to be. Right. So there was, there was that, uh, there was that piece of it. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I had, a I had, a an older brother who, uh, you know, thankfully, kind of um distracted the the school from from me he was two years older than me so um uh he he liked to be more engaging and and out there with people so that was good so a lot of the kind of the family name attention went went his way and i could i could kind of hide in the shadows on some of those things but um you know the other one i'll, I'll, I'll divert back to one of my earliest memories larry and that was you know as an introvert um and uh we had a thing called kindergarten roundup did you have kindergarten roundup larry i don't i don't know that i had kindergarten roundup i can't wait to hear about it though. yeah so kindergarten roundup was a thing where before you went to kindergarten i think it was basically an evaluation where they could see like what are we dealing with here right like like it the the and the the test that i remember or, or the thing that they had me do larry and this this kind of set the stage for a lot of the panic that drives my life um was uh, they, they came and they said, Brad, can you, can you say your ABCs? And I, so I said, well, A, B, C, D. And they, they, they said, Brad, that's great. Can you, can you say it? Can you not, can you say it without singing it? And I, str I struggled. And Larry, I remember pre-kindergarten thinking, man, life is going to be way harder than I thought it was because <laughs> I'm, because I'm, because I'm already being noticed for not getting something quite right heading into kindergarten. And I just thought, how hard is the rest of life if I'm, if I'm falling short pre-kindergarten? <laughs> Larry, it's one, it's one of my first memories. And like I said, that panic, you know, kind of drove me because the whole thing is like, get it right, but get it right in a way where you're not noticed. And that was my first panic moment so, <laughs> growing up. <laughs> Kindergarten roundup. I love it. So for all the introverts out there uh, who are listening and, and who, who are trying to figure this thing out, somehow or another, you did figure out how to be successful, though. You were you were a drummer. You were an athletic. Talk about that a little bit. How did you, how did you push through that? Yeah, well, I mean, Larry, it's part of leadership. And you, you, uh, I have, I fumbled along. And then I learned a lot about you kind of when, when you started talking, especially the, the personality stuff and the leadership dance. But uh, you, you re I realized when I was growing up that as much as I didn't like the attention, there was no way to completely escape it. Um, so you just tried to figure out how to deal with it. And you know, as an as an introvert, it's just extremely uncomfortable for me to be in noticed or in the spotlight. So you know, when I was playing sports uh, and and when I was drumming, uh, you know, and again, some of this is odd. It's like strategic. Um, I remember playing sports and thinking, you know, what if I can contribute in a way where I am helping everybody else be better? Okay, just hold up right here and and write this down. If I could contribute to help everyone else be better, if I could contribute in order to help everyone else be better, that is amazing. You might want to rewind this, listen to that again, because it is an amazing nugget. It really speaks to, to Brad's heart and really speaks to what leadership should be about. Wow.
Um, I don't need to have, I don't mm. need to have like the, the best stats when I was playing basketball. In fact, like it, it probably drove me maybe not to have the highest stats, but um, if I could enable the team to win by, uh, by uh, dishing off assists and playing good defense. And there's all kinds of things you can do in life that contribute and really lead, but you're not drawing attention to yourself. And again, I did that more out of the, the, the psychological panic, Wow! So, <laughs> you know, than, than leading, but you, you taught me that's a big part of leadership. Uh, it's an amazing concept though, that you, that you, you grasped early on and you were, you were willing to lead from the middle or lead from the back, if you will, instead of having to, always be in the front and that's carried i heard you said that's carried over to the kind of your leadership philosophy today huh yeah well it has and you know larry you and i uh you know we've talked about a lot of things and, and the faith is one of the bigger drivers in my life and it seems like over and over again i am put into positions um where i may not be the person that would be like at the top of the org chart or the person in charge but I'm certainly looked at as being a, a key, I guess you'd call it visionary or a person who's driving the right agendas and the right things forward. And I've always looked at it as, uh, you know, really being asked to lead from the side, you know, mm. um, um, to, 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 to play that role of, of helping the, the team or the company or whatever it is that I'm involved with from a, from a you are up front uh, but maybe not the person carrying the baton up front, mm. uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it makes a ton of sense. I think it's why um, so many people love you. I think they um, they sense that authenticity that, uh, you know, and uh, once again, our, in our vernacular, the servant leadership kind of model, right? Yeah, well, another thing that um, and I, I thought a lot about this when, the first time you and I went through the make a difference material with you, when you, you called it the, you know, the leading lion and it's, yeah, I thought about the first time ever really that there are, there are people that you just kind of look at naturally as leaders because they are out there, you know, like making decisions quicker and maybe more boldly than, than, than the rest of the people. Um, uh, and, and then I, I spent a lot of time, probably too much time as a camel turtle and a ruminating on like, like, why is that? You know, uh, because the, the visibility piece is important part of leadership, but, um, the, the, the support and the work and the other things that get it done are just as important as that person out front making the decisions. Mm -hmm. And I really came to grips with, um, uh, there, there is, it's not like second class leadership to be the person like right behind or right next to that person who's carrying the baton. Like it, it, that's a, it, it almost seems like a cultural norm that, that the leader would be that person. But it, you know, again, it, it fit really perfectly with me. I guess God kind of knows what he's doing. Mm. That if, if he, if he equips you to be there and you're wired that way, um, you almost need somebody wired that way uh, up in the front of the organization, helping drive things forward. Yeah. Finding out, what your strengths are and, and, and all of us have different strengths. Right. And, and it's so amazing. Now I've watched you be up front. I've watched you, you know, kind of, kind of play that role of the go-to guy and you can do it, but what happens when you, when you are on stage, you're on in front of everybody, they're all looking at you, you've got to deliver the goods. It, what does that do to you emotionally? What does it do to you physically? Yeah. Well, um, so I, I, I mean, I've grown used to it, right. I mean, when, when I'm doing it, it was panic and, 
And Larry, you know me, it's like I'm, I'm almost uh, maybe transparent to a fault <laughs> where when I first started having to get in front of people, um, I thought, you know what, like they have to see how com uncomfortable I am up here. So I, I learned to, you know, I'm going to acknowledge it. And you've heard me talk and this, this, this is going to, this is going to sound horrible if you just like enter in and hear me say this, but I start a lot of my, my sessions, at least I did, I don't quite so much anymore by saying that, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of people because they make me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and it's it's odd to have somebody standing in front of a group of people saying I don't really like people, uh, but that, that, that's that that's what came out of me. And I would just acknowledge that. And the nice part, Larry, is yes. is that um, the industry that I happen to work in, IT, uh, is is um, we're 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 heavily weighted towards I would say technical, introverted, task oriented people. Uh, so as I said that. And I acknowledged that uncomfortableness. I saw, I saw how effective it was because walls came down. As soon as I acknowledged that I was not on, that I was uncomfortable up in front of people, right. it's almost like they're like, "Hey, I can relate to this guy. What does he have to say?" And it opened doors for me to be more effective in communicating. So, I've wow. been running with that ever since. So I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'll tell you mine because I, there's probably more of you thinking this than than you, I realize. So I'm just gonna throw it out there. So right there is a great communication nugget. If you are communicating to a, a large crowd, a medium crowd, small crowd, your leadership team, if you're communicating to anybody, even someone you're in a relationship with, hey, find that connection point. For Brad, it was, I don't like people because he knew he was talking to these highly technical, uh, technically minded people who struggle with people skills. And it's brilliant. You built a connection with all the introvert leaders in the world. That's what you do. Kind right? of, yeah, right. That's uh, that's uh, that's how I've rolled. Yeah. So so Brad, you you um you know as you became an adult, you were an entrepreneur. Um, talk a little bit about that as a be, being who you are and, and the way you think and 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 you know you are you risk adverse or was that a huge risk for you? Do you like taking risks? Speak to us about how you how you navigated that process to become an entrepreneur because you were very successful in that process. Yep. Um, well, again, this goes back to the, the point I made earlier about always being in a leadership position, um, but never maybe necessarily a guy out front. So as I worked my way up as a technical person in an IT company, um, uh, I, was, I was fortunate enough to be talented enough that there was a, a person that really knew how to sell. And then it was my job to figure out how to kind of fulfill the promises of what he sold. And I was, I was, uh, I was pretty good at it. And that, that was my first, like, okay, you're, you're, um, I became valuable through what I brought to the table, to the company and to our, the clients that we worked with. And as the company grew, um, and, and I like puzzles, I tried to figure out, well, how can we grow and scale this? The, the, the gentleman owned the company that I worked for at the time, neither one of them were necessarily interested in kind of running the company, I would call it. They had, one of them wanted to sell and another one liked to, to do the accounting and some of the back office work. Um, so it left a vacuum for somebody to have that vision of where should we take this thing and what can we do? So that was my first uh, sort of with a safety net. I got to lead and be visionary of a company without wow. being that entrepreneur, but I, I was hanging out with them eventually bought in, became an owner, went through that whole thing. And then I had a similar circumstance when, when, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when the time was right and I left that organization and went to the peer groups or that's where I became familiar 
uh, Larry, with you. Um, uh, same thing. It was a, there was a guy who he wanted to start comp- a company. Well, he had the company, but he saw that I would probably bring something to the table. So uh, similar situation. I became a partner in that company. Uh, the figurehead of that company, a guy named Arlen Sorensen, uh, he, he was driving it forward. But um, uh, I was fortunate enough to come along and be, you know, very uh, instrumental, I think, in kind of the formative mm-hmm. years of that organization. And then uh, a few years ago, we were bought by a, a much bigger software company called uh, ConnectWise. And that company is then by, got, got bought by private equity and grew really big. So now... A uh, similar thing. It's like I can I can lead my part of the company uh, with an entrepreneurial type vision, but I'm not necessarily the guy at the top. So there's always been uh, through like the thread through my life is those are the type of positions that it seems like I'm I, I'm put into. Which is exactly consistent with who you were growing up. I mean, right. you you decided early on that you wanted to help help other people, help enable them to be successful. You decided early on. I don't right. have to be out front. I can lead from the side. Yeah. And then, and and then when you became an adult, this somehow, you know, you, you found yourself ready to lead from the side in that first opportunity. And then the second and the third, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that was exactly it. And through that, I mean, you ask about like, what, what was my appetite for risk? Um, probably the first 15 years, it wasn't, it probably wasn't much, you know, and uh, I'll, I'll play, uh, uh, amateur thinker on this kind of thing, but as a as a camel turtle, I always look at risk as um, you, you you go back and forth between. There's a lot of opportunity that I see in the visionary kind of conceiver part of my brain, but all of those yeah buts are hanging there, right? All of the <laughs> all of the all of the details that the camel would worry about would would kind of you know uh, hold me back, and uh, it probably took. It was when I left the first company that I was with and made the move and became a part of the peer group organization. That was the first, I would call a really big risk, I guess, I took in my life. And when I saw that one worked, I became more comfortable with it. And, I, you know, I've taken a few more, you know, along the way. So I'm, uh, if I had to look back, and you hear this with leaders a lot, I think uh, um, if, if I had to go back, I would be less averse to risk. Um because a lot of what probably held me back and what I worried about without taking some chances um, was just that it was worries in my head that, that like they're going to come and it may not be perfect, but uh, you know, make the choice, make the decision to move forward. Anyway, it took me, I would say like maybe too long, but um, you know, I'm here, I'm, 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 uh, I'm happy with where I'm at and you know, I'm, I'm much um, uh, what, what's the right word. I'm much, uh, less risk a much more risk averse i'm much more willing to take a risk <laughs> Larry, uh, than, than i was earlier in my life man i hear that a lot from these seasoned leaders uh if they had it to do over again they would take more risk if they had it to do over again they would they would uh make themselves less adverse to risk or, or they would be uh higher risk takers uh and that that doesn't mean uh, poor risk it just means that so many times as leaders i think the the fear of failure causes us uh, to really not achieve everything we could because we are a bit risk adverse what a great leadership lesson from uh from brad maybe it's they over help us to know brad from a from someone who says look I, i'm a leader I, you know i have a family or i'm i'm trying to figure this out i'm i'm a camel turtle turtle camel introvert 
but man, I have a hard time making decisions and I have a hard time pulling that trigger. Uh, help, help us with that as, as a camel turtle. How did you walk through that? Yeah. So for me, it became, uh, I had, I had what in hindsight was probably an irrational fear that if you, if you get, if something is halfway decent in, in importance, and if you get it wrong, it, it feels like it's going to be fatal, <laughs> right? Like that, that's your concern. It's oh, like, you, you, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to deal with the finality that, that you, you spin up in your head of what could happen if you get a decision wrong. Um, and, uh, it, you know, some of these things begin to sound cliche, but there, there's a lot of them out there that are good if you, if you look at them. And it's the, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that concept of, you know, if you get it wrong, you, you didn't really get it wrong. You just found out a way not to do it right, right? Like, like mm. let's, let's just try another way. And it's, it's, hard, it's hard for, it's hard for, uh, and for me, and I'm assuming there's other people that are wired like me out there, um, uh, because you, you, want, you want to get it right all the time. And that's, it's just an unrealistic expectation to put on yourself. And it's, and it's not a bad thing to get one wrong because even some good things happen through those wrong decisions. Mm. What happens when you, it really takes courage, I guess is what I'm hearing you say to, to go ahead and try this and, and fail because that's a, that's such a poof off for camels. I mean, they just so are into perfection. I know. Yeah. And, uh, um, and, and I know that's, that's important. And to give yourself permission not to be perfect, to give yourself permission to be fallible. What, yeah. How do you get there as a camel? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And I have to trick myself. So um, <laughs> uh, it, it's, uh, again, I, 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 like to, to find a way to be effective. So uh, uh, two things that, that I have found um, where it's not like I've changed my mind, but I've learned how to manage my limitations around being able to make decisions. So the two mm. gimmicks that I use for myself are one, I noticed right away that um, as I have my ideas and I start working on something, um, I can get 95% of what I need done in a very short amount of time. Like I, you know, I can, I can, the idea I can be done, but in my mind, it's not done. Right. Like I, so, so, uh, but then I'll spend days or weeks or months trying to think that I'm going to get that, you know, get it from 95 to hundred percent. So what the first the first trick I have is if I if I catch myself and it's big enough, I just discipline myself to say whatever I come up with in the next 15 minutes, like that's it. I'm just gonna like that's what we're gonna roll with. And I'm not gonna like because it's gonna be good enough, right? Like it will be good enough. We can we can adjust it later if we need to. Um, the second one is if there if it is more involved and more complicated and you have to invite some other people into helping, um, I just had to learn, like, give myself a deadline, even if there wasn't one. So, you know, pick, pick a date. If it's a decision that, that, you know, for the good of whatever organization or whatever you're doing, if, if you know, we, we have to have this thing done by the end of the year, then I might say, all right, by, by November 30th, um, I like, I, I'm just going to give myself a self-imposed deadline because if I, if I hang on too long, again, it's, it's kind of the same concept, but so uh, those two gimmicks, that's what I've done. Either give myself a short amount of time or for sure set a firm deadline. And then that's when wow. I have to make it. That is, that's a great leadership moment right there. And that takes discipline, right? I mean, it takes discipline to say, I'm, I'm going to give myself a timeline. I'm going to give myself yeah. a deadline. And then right. and it actually follow through with that. Because yeah. in my mind, uh, when, when I get to the end of that five minutes, I know myself. I know I will think this could be better. But I've learned through years and years and years and years of, yeah, it might be a little bit better, but like a decision today is better than like, uh, you know, waiting a long time and having basically the same decision be made a month from now. Right. Um, 
that like let's let's so let's just do it but it's it's not it's a it's a discipline it's not a like my the thinking has changed like i have the same anxiety like well maybe this isn't the right decision but i've just learned to kind of trust the maybe the crutch or the tool that i just explained and said all right i'm just gonna i'm gonna use it even though it's not comfortable Okay, I hope you go back and and listen to this part again of this podcast, because if you're an introvert and you have trouble making decisions and you spend Brad's tricks are phenomenal. And and I hope that you take some time to really process that and, and and learn how to how to set that short length of time for your decision and then set that deadline for the for the larger decisions and and listen to what he does to discipline himself and to become a better decision maker. All right, let me let me clarify what I just heard just to make sure. I think what I heard you say is you you give yourself permission to make this decision and the discipline is even if you have anxiety, you don't allow your feelings to drive your decision making. You're you're going to have anxiety one way or the other, so you might as well make the decision because yeah. you're going to have anxiety. Is that right? Yeah, and the learning was not there's a way to make the anxiety go away. The learning was take a leap of faith even though you have the anxiety through either wow, the short amount of time good. or the the, the deadline that you set for yourself. Wow, that's awesome. So, so you're gonna you're gonna have it. Take take the leap, of, and that's faith for you, isn't it? I mean, yeah. uh, moving through anxiety to decision making, even what, when you have that anxiety with you, that's that's yeah. a, that is a leap of faith, literally. Yeah, for huh? me, yeah, for me, it is right. It's a, it's a big deal. Like you know, and, and you asked earlier, kind of what it does to you physically when you're up in front of people. It's kind of the same thing when you're making decisions. It's amazing how exhausting decision making can be for a guy who's wired the way I am. Like it it can be, it can be, uh, you know, like draining <laughs> to go through the process yes. of making a decision. Cause I'm wrestling with it so much in my head. And, and so do you, what do you do to, you know, you're in this, this, this anxiety, you have this big decision, you make the decision, you still have anxiety. What do you do to renew your soul? What do you do to give yourself some, some time to kind of, you know, get that emotional energy back. Yeah. What I've found I have to do is try to, at least for me, like, uh, uh almost run in an opposite direction. <laughs> uh, okay. so if it's a work thing, like, all right, I make a work decision. Let me, let me try to wipe my brain and go like, maybe I'll drum for a while or, you know, like go for a walk or do something just like completely different. Uh, because again, I'm not, I'm not, I've learned that I'm not going to, just because I've made the decision, it's again, it's not going to stop the way my brain works and the thinking and how I'm going to ruminate on, you know, second guessing that decision. So the sooner I can distract myself <laughs> by, by moving on to something different, I found the, you know, the, the better I can, I, I deal with the, the, what I feel like are the consequences mentally, because nothing's even changed yet, but there are, there are brain consequences to, I just made a decision and now I'm already wondering what's the collateral damage for what I just made. And it's like, you got to stop it. Just, <laughs> just stop it and let's move on. Right. So, you know, find a hobby, drum for a while, do something different and let's go. Yeah. You, you've got to have that time to go breathe now. Right. Let yourself, right. let yourself breathe. Go, go some, do, do something else. I love that run in the opposite direction. And, and Brad, this, this system of leading that you have developed uh, leading from the side and, and allowing yourself to make decisions. Because I think if you had said, I'm going to lead from the side, but you didn't have that decision-making discipline, I don't think it would ever work for you. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, uh, leaders make decisions, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, right. It's, it's, it's a big part of what they do. Um, 
and uh, you know, for lions, they, it's easy, right? Or it's at least for for from my perspective, it seems yeah. easy. Right. Uh, they're, they're probably going through a, a version of what I go through. They just, you know, they're insensitive, uncaring people that just don't, <laughs> you know, they just don't care about the consequences, right? Yeah, right? So they're right, like whatever carnage happens, like yeah, that's not my problem, right? <laughs> uh, that's not how I'm wired. So. Uh, Larry, you know, I'm kidding. That's how us camel turtles look at the world, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure they go through the same, you got to make decisions. That's how things move forward, right? We got to make decisions and move. Um, uh, so, you know, yeah, put yourself in a position where you can do it. So I want you to think, cause I know that your career, um, it, you know, it's been, it really has been amazing. It's been so interesting because you, you've worked hard and you've disciplined yourself and you've grown. What, what is, besides this decision-making, um, you know, process that you've gone through and you've learned, what is something that you've really struggled with in terms of leading and leadership that you, you may be still struggling with it. You may, it, it may be something you, you had an obstacle that you overcame. Talk to us about something that Brad has, has struggled with from a leadership perspective through your life. Um, yeah. And it, it, I mean, it's probably related to some of the things that we've already talked about and it's, um, uh, uh, I think a, my, uh, my family's wired this way, especially my mom, we are people pleasing servants. And so, um, I want in, in the context of the decisions and my impact on people, I want everybody to be okay. <laughs> right. Like that's, that's minimum. And I want everybody to be like fully behind whatever we do, right? I want everything to be a win-win-win scenario. And right. uh, you know, even saying that now, it's it's kind of funny because you realize, like, well, that's it's it, life doesn't work that way. <laughs> so a, as you lead, again, it goes back to the between the the introvert and not wanting to be recognized or even looked at as like, why did he make that decision? Because that's the attention piece that I don't like, or. Uh, why did he make that decision that way? Because it's making my life harder, or 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 maybe it's it means something like not so great for me. Um, I had to be okay with uh, um, that kind of in my brain how that works. I have to be okay with that kind of disappointment, maybe mm. or hurt mm. that somebody may feel as mm. a consequence of my decisions, and realize you know kind of balance that whole. You know, as much as I say I don't like people, it's almost like I like people too much. That's why I want to stay away from them because I'll absorb their problems, and I have to be okay. I have to be okay with not everybody not liking or being comfortable with what we're doing. And that that's I mean I, I again just like the thinking thing and the deciding thing, um, I've had to I've had to just sort of press through it because it it does my my brain doesn't change the way I think about those things, but I have to I have to be effective and move forward. No, it is so true. I, I distinctly remember when I decided I couldn't please everyone. I couldn't, I, I'm a people pleaser as well, yeah. naturally, but there was a time when I said, I, ca I cannot please. So when you decided that, um, talk about what it did, how, how did it feel? What did it do to you on the inside? How did it, how did you navigate that? Because you still want people to be okay, but you know, you can't please them. Part of that leadership journey is you've decided that you can't be this people pleasing servant all the time. So what did that do to you when you made that turn? Yeah, well, I mean, a couple things. One, a little bit of you dies inside, yeah. right? Because there's yeah. there's yeah. the you that thought that that's the way life was going to be, and you're going to be able to operate that way. And then yeah. when you leave that behind, um, 
you become a different person, right? So part of you, part of you dies when you begin to, to, to operate that way. And, you know, I had to be, I had to be uh, uh, okay with that. Right. But because what that did is it opened up, it opened up what I could do because the reality of those things made me more effective. Right. So mm. it, so it, it allowed me to enter into, I would, I would almost call it, you know, bigger, more, more influential type situations and be effective because if you, if you, if you aren't aware of that and able to do it, um, uh, things just aren't going to move the way they need to move. And then you, you, you limit your effectiveness and your ability to lead and which, which can limit your ability to move up inside companies. And again, even those terms, I hate them. It's like, it's not like I'm looking to move up. I mean, I, I'm looking to be more impactful, more influential. And sometimes that means like there's, there's the, there's the uncomfortable consequences of that. And you, you know, uh, once you get okay with that, you realize that um, there's bigger opportunities out there. Okay. So the follow-up question to that is once you get there and you realize that you can be more effective, have a bigger impact, how do you keep the balance, you know, from, from going too far or, or becoming unbalanced yeah. and, and going too far the other direction where you really don't care about people? How do you find yeah. that balance? Yeah, that's a good question, Larry. Um, uh, and the answer is, uh, like the other things, um, I don't trust myself, like just like with the thinking. So my gimmick or my thing there is to uh, find the people that are around me that are in my environment, whatever it is, that watch me acting. And I lean on, hey, I don't have I, I don't have perspective here. Did I handle that okay? Is that mm. that? So I look for outside third party perspective on you know a check and balance to make sure that you know what I'm doing isn't isn't that it's having the effect that I think it's having, right? Like because uh, um, you 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 lose a you you lose visibility in that, especially as you work with bigger situations and more people and right. Uh, you know, it can, it can be more complicated. Um, uh, and, um, you know, we, we, I mean, we haven't really gotten into it, but the current, the current area where I see that happening and now it seems to be happening even more is, um, through leading the way I lead and wanting to not impact people in a negative way. Like I had kind of a, what I would, for lack of a better term, a formula and then newer generations come along and that formula changes for, for what, what they're comfortable with or what they look at as being like uh, 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 an okay impact on their life or how they look at things. And a lot of times those are intention, like, like what so, so different generations look at as being okay. Um, and now it seems like, uh, and we, we've talked a little bit about this through the last year between the, 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 the political strife that's going on in our country and the racial strife that's going on in our country, you don't have to do much to 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 offend somebody these days. It seems right. Like, right. Like exactly. even if you're not trying, uh, it, it's very easy to 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 have like kind of push somebody's buttons. It doesn't seem like we're open to civil discourse as much as we were. Um, there's just a lot of hurt people that like are 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 reacting in a way that is a lot different than historically. At least it seems like from from my perspective, it's it's much it's a much more difficult challenge now than it was like 10 or 15 years ago. I really want you to, to give some thought to this civil discourse um, thing that, that Brad's talking about. I think it's 
really important um, for us as a country. It's really important for us as leaders in, in our relationships to understand um, how to have civil discourse. So uh, listen up here. Yeah, I think you have nailed it. And that that whole civil discourse, we've lost the ability to do that, I think, in, in this um, in this polarizing I, I'm telling you, we are in, we really are, and we kind of shift gears for a minute, but we are in, we are in a, the one of the most polarizing times that I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult. And, uh, you know, the, the unfortunate thing is that, um, uh, uh, we've gotten to the point where it's hard to hit. And I've even noticed it with myself. And so here's how I've had to discipline myself. I have a certain way that I think, but, and I, I'm not a big fan of social media, but I have uh, I've, I've, I've I've begun to use it like to follow on Twitter recently a bunch of people that I don't think the way they think, and I start following them and the people that they follow, so I can understand kind of what what are they thinking and why because I've noticed my trigger reactions are well that's just wrong. What are they, what what could mm. they possibly be thinking? But I know they're good people with good intentions. And I find myself just like I, you know, kind of would look at other people of being um, judgmental of of like their ideas, and I I attach that that to them as a person. And uh, it, it, there's so much of that going on right now that it's uh, we've lost sight of the people to uh, with the the concept of we want to be right. Like it, it's more important to be right than to love the person. And uh, I find myself falling into that more so than like I ever have before. So I, I'm, I'm trying to find the right, you know, uh, gimmicks or, or tools that I can surround myself with to hopefully prevent myself from getting too far that way. I think it's brilliant. And, and when that you that you actually look at the other side to try to to understand, to try to see. I, I know these are good people. You said I want to see kind of what they're what they're thinking. Does it help? Has it helped you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it has. Um, uh, cause it, it's, it's, um, it's that like, like I know, I, I know they're good people. I don't understand like sort of why they think how they can think and I can't reconcile those two things. So as I've, as I've poured into not just hearing the sound bites, but trying to, 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 to piece together, where they come from and where, where the root of the thinking is and how they piece together sort of the logic that they're using to get there. And, um, you know, Larry, if I go back to the, to the kind of the faith thing again, it's, there's a lot of, um, uh, there, there's a lot of people with a lot of pain and that, and I, I'm one of them, right? Like, uh, I, I realized that the, that a lot of the, a lot of the things that shaped me are, it's those pains, right? It's the anxiety. It's the, the things sure. that you worry about. It, it shapes a lot of who you are. And if you can look at the person and kind of back into those things, you begin to realize that the ideas, the ideas are, they're important, but they're secondary to the person. Um, yeah. And, and as I, as I, uh, I, I'm trying to, be able to enter into more civil discourse through understanding where they come from first. So I'm educated enough where when they say some things, it isn't like sharp in my ears. So I respond inappropriately. It's mm. like, I've kind of, I've heard it. I understand maybe where they're going to be coming from. So I can, I can, I can almost sit beside them and have the conversation, not sit across the table and have the conversation. That's what oh, I've I used love that. The, the social media thing for. 
Wow, I love that. Sit beside them instead of across from them. I, that that's it. Really is brilliant, Brad. And I, I think it's something we all need to hear, and and not just now, but in the future as we move forward. Nobody knows what the future is going to look like. And as we record this, we're excited about a couple of vaccines that are coming out with the you know in regard to the to the pandemic. But you know, I just uh, I, there is no vaccine for racism. Um, there there's behavioral change. There's there's here are two white guys talking. There are things that we can do to to, to use our influence um, to understand and to then to take action. And I, right. I think it's important that we that we move from across the table that we that we walk beside. I think that's that's beautifully said. I'm going to, uh, here's what I'm going to do, Brad. I'm going to turn, I could talk to you all day. You're, you're just uh, brilliant and I could, could listen to you talk and, and um, your perspective is, seriously is amazing and a true intellect, but I want to, I, I want to take just a minute and, and ask uh, you to think about uh, these young leaders, uh, maybe the camel turtles, you know, whatever they are, you know, the, the aspiring leaders who are trying to make it, trying to figure it out. And boy, they're having a hard time because they're in 2020. I mean, you know, we're still at this point, so many people are still, you know, locked in. We don't know what even what that means anymore. And we're wearing masks and, and we're doing all kinds of things. And, um, but, but they're trying to, they're, they're trying to launch a career. They're trying to launch their lives. They're trying to have a relationship with somebody they love. What would you tell them that they need to focus on? What are some things that they need to know in, uh, in order for them to be successful in their leadership journey? Um, yeah, that's a good question, Larry. And I, um, if, I think that's what I would tell them is if you, with all the different personality types, right, and how you look at things, if you can, if you can use those, those uh, superpowers and those limitations and harness them to always be looking to help other people be successful, mm. um, you will lead well, right? Like if, if you focus on that, not uh, it's the, it's the, it's the paradox of the more you help other people be successful, the more influence and leadership that you have. And if you can keep that in mind uh, with your, the, the personality types and the anxieties and the different things that you have and, and let those things go and use what you do have for strengths and, and help other people be successful, you will naturally find yourself gravitating towards becoming a better leader and, and more influence in people's lives. Brilliant and, and a great leadership nugget. Um, thank you, Brad Scow. I, I can't thank you enough for giving us some of your time. I admire you. I love you. I care about you. I've watched you. Uh, you're one of the strongest leaders I've ever been around, and I mean that sincerely. And uh, you have made a huge difference in, in the lives of many, including my own life. So thank you. Thank you for your leadership and for just being honest and transparent, as you always are. And, and helping us today uh, to talk about how to lead as an introvert and make decisions and, and, and how to sit on the same side of the table with others. Wow. That's just rich and good. And, and we gotta, we gotta think about that for a while so we can, uh, uh, so we can apply it and uh, listen it with all this talk that we've done, it's time for you to turn around and, and play those drums for a bit and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and kind of relax, but yeah. Hey, th thank you, brother. I appreciate you very, very much. Yeah, Larry, you too. Likewise, uh, you, you've, you've been one of the most influential people in my life. So happy to happy to help you out any way I can, Larry. Mm. We'll look forward to talking soon. Take care. All right. All right. Thanks, Larry.
Well, there you have it. Um, Brad Scow, man, he just, he thinks differently. And uh, I love to, he, you know, I love to be around him. I love to, to hear him, um, to hear him think uh, out loud because he is a great thinker. I hope you have um, gotten some nuggets as he, as he talked about today, um, you, know, you know, helping other people to be successful and not having to lead in the front, but leading on the side. And, and as he talked about how those introverts can make decisions by using his tricks, by, by using the those, uh, setting a, a, a timeline, setting a short time to make your decision in, or setting a deadline if it's a bigger decision. Uh, I, I think his his take on our country, on getting where other people are, and truly uh, hearing them, so that what they say quote won't be sharp in my ears. End quote is is what is what Brad said. Just so many nuggets. I I just uh, I bet you this may be a podcast that you want to listen to again. I, I know I certainly will. It's uh, it's one that has uh, taught me uh, taught me a bunch, and I'm ready to go back and and kind of reprocess that and and listen to some of Brad's wisdom again. Just a very authentic, um, uh, real. A transparent leader. So I hope you've enjoyed it. I've learned uh, a lot today. I hope you have, and uh, we'll look forward to you uh, listening in next time as we cross that line from leading with our head to leading with our heart in order to make a difference in the lives of others. <music>